Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cyber Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Hello and welcome everyone to Live from the Cyber Institute, our podcast from here at ACU. Uh, my name is David Knipe and I'm the Associate Director here in the Cyber Institute. And I am visiting today with Josh Jackson, the lead minister at the Rural Hill Church of Christ uh, in Antioch, Tennessee, which is part of Nashville. Josh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited to get to visit with you because I have known about you for a long time, uh, but we have never gotten to just kind of spend any time together. So uh, I'm excited to be able to do that. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is the Cyber Institute's Contemplative Ministers Initiative. Uh, this is part of a series on uh, CMI. We've already gotten to visit with uh, Randy Harris, who is the founding director of CMI, and Houston Heflin, who's the current director. Uh, so, so to our audience, if y'all haven't gotten to listen to those yet, uh, make sure to do that. Either pause here and go back uh, or listen to this one and then go back and listen to those later. Uh, and then our next podcast is going to be with a current participant, somebody who's right uh, in the middle uh, of CMI. Um, but Josh, I wanted to visit with you because you are an alum. You have uh, participated in CMI well back before uh, the pandemic. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But before we get into it, um, I mentioned that you're the lead minister at Rural Hill there in Tennessee. Um, can you just kind of give us a little sense of your background in ministry, how you got to where you are today? Uh, because you've lived and ministered in a variety of places. So, yeah, so uh, I grew up born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Uh, my dad was actually in ministry. Uh, so he was my youth minister all of my adolescent years. Uh, and I pretty much told myself I would never do full time ministry. Uh, <laughs> right. That was my thinking. Uh, but then going to ACU, uh, I met some great people, Randy Harris being one of them, Dr. Jerry Taylor being another, and so many others who just encouraged mm -hmm. me, supported me, poured into me. I ended up doing a degree uh, in ministry. And then I went on to do an MDiv at Emory, uh, which I'm very thankful for. And while there, I got connected at the North Atlanta Church of Christ with Don McLaughlin, and I was his preaching intern for my last two years of my MDiv program. Awesome. And then after I graduated, uh, I got hired on at North Atlanta. And honestly, being Don's shadow was really inspirational. That really mm -hmm. pretty much put me on the ministry path. He was very good at affirming my gifts, and he was just a great mentor. Uh, just so thankful, so incredibly grateful for that opportunity at North Atlanta. And that's kind of how I started in ministry. And so from there, I was at North Atlanta uh, for two years as an intern, another four and a half years on staff. And then after that, transitioned to Jacksonville, Florida. And now here I am uh, in the Nashville area at the Rural Hill Church of Christ. Okay. So you've kind of been like, if we divide the U.S., sort of this southern and eastern like quarter, um, you've been at, at several different points within that. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. Well, um, one of the things that folks that have already uh, either know about CMI or already listened to our, our prior two podcasts, uh, one of the things that they'll know is that the focus of the Contemplative Ministers Initiative uh, is the spiritual life uh, and contemplative prayer, right? Kind of get that from the title. Uh, and, and I'm curious if, if this was an emphasis for you early on in your ministry. Uh, and, and I'm asking that because at least in the Churches of Christ, you know, that's not something that 
we have tended to focus on, right? Uh, for me, growing up in the churches of Christ, we talked a lot about reading the Bible, studying the Bible, but we didn't really use that language of like having a personal relationship with Jesus or having a quiet time with the Lord. Um, but what about you? Was, was that kind of a thing for you before CMI or was was this something that was new? So it was a thing that I, I knew of. Okay. It wasn't a thing that I practiced very well. And one of the things that Randy Harris said when he reached out to me about this initiative uh, and kind of talked to me about what was going to go on, one of the phrases he would use was, I'm trying to help ministers who are kind of early on in their ministry career be able to sustain for the long haul. Right. And that that was really important to hear him say. I had no idea that it would be it would matter so much in my ministry mm. career. I did not at the time. Uh, but I will say, I think that CMI has definitely helped me, especially coming to a new church in 2020. Three and a half months in COVID, shutting everything down, CMI helped solidify me and paved the way to sustain myself during so many challenges that the church is facing. Uh, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't still be in ministry if CMI wasn't a part of my experience thus far. Uh, it really has been helpful. So those practices, they not only gave me language, but they really have been sustaining. They have transformed not only how I do ministry, but how I care for myself in ministry. Uh, so I'm very thankful. I would not have been able to do what I'm doing now if CMI wasn't a part of my story. Man, well, that that is great to hear. I mean, that's definitely one of the things I think we hope is that um, CMI is is both a blessing for ministers, but also for the churches and the people that are being ministered to uh, by the folks that come. Um, so take us back a little bit. I think you started in 2016. Um, I mentioned that our next podcast is going to be with one of our current participants, um, but you did this several years ago. So tell me what you remember about how you got into it, right? Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, having a relationship with Randy. Did he just reach out to you or was it something that you had a colleague or a friend who had already gone through CMI? So actually both. Uh, so Randy reached out to me uh, first. He called me uh, and said, hey, we're doing this thing called CMI. He was like, just want to know if you'd be interested and I'll send you an email with all the details. And so I was like, well, sure, just send me all details and I'll look at it and see if I can fit it into my yep. schedule. Uh, and he also mentioned a couple other people that I knew of, other ministry colleagues and friends who were in the first cohort because we were, I'm pretty sure I was in the okay. second. And so there was a couple of my ministry friends who were in the first. So he sends me the email. I look at it, check it out. And one of the requirements of CMI is that it's not just about the participant of the minister being in it, but we need your leadership, your eldership to be on board right. with this. So their job, you have somebody who's kind of your, you know, walking alongside you and your leadership, who's going to be your conversation partner and going to be checking on you as you're going through this process. So that was really important that helping my eldership specifically to see that this is a necessity. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't like going to some conference like Pepperdine or AC lectures. This is something completely different. Uh, and so I'm thankful for the email that had the language for them to see that this is not what those other things are, because uh, sometimes you can conflate those like that's continuing education. This is something that's supposed to benefit the church as a whole. You're making an investment, not just in the minister, but in the health of your church by investing in your ministry. So that was helpful. And then talking to a couple of the friends who were currently in it, the first cohort was really helpful as well for them to kind of tell me what to expect. Now. They were told by Randy not to tell us too much, uh, obviously, because they didn't want to ruin <laughs> it and spoil it all for us. But uh, they did a good job of at least encouraging me to give it a try. So, yeah, so Randy reached out and then I followed up with some others. And that's how I got started. OK, so you, you're making it sound a little bit like this is pledging for ministers, right? Don't you got you to keep, <laughs> keep keep the secrets away from the newbies that are coming in. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of 
I don't want to say it felt like it wasn't necessarily like <laughs> pledging, but it was. You you really just have to be yeah. there to experience it. Uh, and I think kind of what you said early on, coming out of a church of Christ background, these aren't practices that you know. I've done Lectio Divina. I've been introduced to some of these practices while at ACU, and then of course also at Emory. But they weren't a part of my everyday mm-hmm. routine of life. They weren't part of my pattern of ministry. And so CMI normalized these practices and helped me to see that it's not something I just need to teach my church. But if I'm going to be healthy, I need to be able to incorporate these things so that they're life giving for me. And like you said, there's more than just reading the Bible. And especially in ministry, you get caught up in the day to day of reading and studying to preach or to teach that you can forget to care for self. And CMI was a moment of taking an honest look of saying, how are you doing? How are you spiritually with God? Like you said, having a personal relationship, not just doing my job, but having my own relationship and caring for myself. Yeah, I think that's right. And I appreciate what you said about that. You you just kind of have to experience it. I mean, I had heard about CMI, but until I went for the first time and and the first time I went, I I wasn't a teacher. I wasn't a facility. I wasn't doing anything other than just being able to be there and observe. And it's such a great blend of kind of the, the curriculum, for lack of a better term, you know, the, the program itself, but the setting and just the the ability to really get away. Um, and, and I've always appreciated that it's one that there's a schedule, but it's not packed in where you're doing something every single hour of the day. You know, there's significant mm-hmm. time that is set aside for uh, just, just quiet. And, you know, you can choose, if you've got something back home, you need to tend to, you can do that. You can also just be quiet, be away, sit by the lake, whatever. Um, and even just that by itself is, can be so kind of short-term healing from just the hubbub, you know, the things yeah. that are just kind of always going on. Um, well, so for our audience, uh, if you've listened to those conversations with Randy in Houston, you've heard about the kinds of things uh, that happen at CMI. We've talked about some of the some of the schedule there. Um, but so, Josh, what I wanted to ask you is that that's been a few years now and we've slept since then and there's been a pandemic. But what do you remember <laughs> about your time at those CMI retreats? Like when you, you know, what what is memorable to you uh, about those times? And do you feel like did you know at the time that it was going to be that meaningful or was it only something that kind of only became apparent afterwards? So initially I came in, I was somewhat mm-hmm. skeptical. Uh, I was open because like I said, I had some friends who talked to me and then of course I just trust sure. Randy. Uh, so I was open to it, but I was skeptical. But one of the things that, so our first meeting, we did a session uh, with Carson over the grit Berkman, which was really helpful in the profile uh, information that we did. That was great. But then uh, in one of our chapel sessions, we got to do like prayers through like images, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. Oh, it was just such a blessing. And we did it with both cohorts together uh, during that uh, chapel session. And just looking at the icons and looking at the way that people portrayed biblical stories, something that growing up in Church of Christ, we didn't do a lot with images, at least in my experience, we just didn't. But just getting an introduction to that uh, was very helpful and just so meaningful in a way that for somebody who's not big on art, having somebody can kind of walk you through it and kind of help you see the meaning. And even just how these images have been used in Christian history to help people reflect on the meaning of Jesus and even biblical stories. I didn't expect to have the significance that it had on me. Uh, normally, I just looked at biblical art and was like, oh, it's just an art. And I kept flipping through whatever book I was reading. This was a moment to stop and to be in a contemplative environment, to just sit with things and we had a moment where it's like, so what did people notice in this? And just to hear the different things that people mm-hmm. notice 
and how they talked about the different art that we were viewing, it really did it took on a different meaning for me. Uh, I've become a much bigger fan of, of art uh, because of that experience. But I will say that was one of the sessions that was just so profound. And then another session that really stood out, uh, and I can't remember the Jesuit who was there on the site, but just listening to him tell stories of the work that mm-hmm. they do uh, and just the radical moments where God shows up when you're actually listening to God and how important it is to take time. And that Sabbath is, it's not just about taking a day off. Yeah, Sabbath is an intentional time to actually be with God and to listen to God. And one of the things that he said that, you know, that just really was like, you realize that God had to command people to stop. Mm. And it was like, Oh, that, that, that just never hit me. Uh, like God actually had to command people to take a break because the rhythm of life will sooner or later get to all of us. We will prioritize just being busy, even if it's not productive. And just hearing him talk about that rhythm of life of being able to stop and then recognizing that I wasn't really good at that. I was very busy, wasn't really productive all the time, but I almost felt guilty for taking a break. Yeah. And I almost felt like I had to justify always doing something. And how do you tell people in your church that I'm just going to, I'm going to take a Sabbath and I'm just going to disconnect mm-hmm. for a while. And it's, I've never seen anybody do that. Yeah. So, but realizing the significance of it, that if you don't do this, what are you, what are you actually saying about the pattern? What are you teaching your congregation and ministry when you don't take a break? When you don't have a moment to listen to God, how effective are you if you're not doing this? That was a really impactful session. Uh, and then I will say just the other thing, aside from the main sessions, uh, just getting to spend some one-on-one time with Randy mm-hmm. was great. Uh, I think that is Randy's element. Uh, he might differ. <laughs> he might you know, go against that. But I think he is definitely more of the mystic type. Uh, <laughs> I think he likes that. Uh, and so being able to spend that time uh, with him in that environment was just great. Just the, the one-on-one moments were so helpful for me. Uh, and hearing him give feedback uh, of somebody who's done this a lot longer and listening to him talk about how it's sustained mm-hmm. him, uh, that was helpful uh, because I didn't know anybody else who's done this. Uh, in Church of Christ context. So that was really Yeah, helpful. no, that makes sense. I mean, I as an observer, one of the things I've seen is just those those mentoring conversations that happen because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in ministry. I mean, it's going to be pretty t- typical, hopefully at least, you know, that you've got good relationships with your elders. If you're on a, a more than one staff, you know, person church, you, you've got good relationships with your staff, but they're there in your context. Yeah. And maybe they're supervising you or you're supervising them. Uh, hopefully you've got other ministers in your area or your town that you meet with, but it's so nice to have somebody, uh, or, or people who can serve as mentors, but are also away from your context. And they don't have a dog in that hunt other than you, like you are their dog <laughs> in the hunt, uh, that they want to see succeed and they want to see flourish and somebody that you can just share with. Uh, and you know that they're there for you and they're on your side and they want not just what's best for you, but for your church and for the kingdom. And um, just getting to watch, I've had a few of those conversations, but just getting to watch them happen. Uh, I think it's just so um, life-giving in a lot of ways. Um, 
Well, so I'm, I'm curious about how CMI kind of connects with uh, your educational background, uh, because when you came to CMI, like you said, you had multiple degrees in your background. Uh, and some of CMI is like sessions that are kind of like classes, but it's not really traditional coursework. So what do you, what do you see as some of the intersection between CMI and your more formal education? Um, are there some parallels, but maybe also some differences, do you think? So there are definitely some parallels. So I did a pastoral care class, every class in pastoral care, you know, you're going to get some mm -hmm. self-care. You're going to hear people talk about it. Uh, I think the reality is, and I don't know this for a fact, I don't have any statistics to back this up. I don't know if everybody does self-care well. I think we all know we need to. I don't think we I always think you're do. probably right about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so even talking to other ministers while I was at Emory uh, who were, you know, doing this full-time or had previously done it full-time and now I'm going back in education or whatever, everybody can tell you about self-care, that you need to have mm -hmm. practices. And then you ask them, well, how often do you do this? And it's like, oh, well, not as often right. as I should. So I was like, okay. So I think what CMI did for me, at least, it took the knowledge and it gave me an environment to just mm -hmm. practice it. Like, I have a lot of theory. I have some good information. I've done some short, quiet time moments, you know, done breath prayers, you know, the Jesus prayer, things like that. But we're going to actually take four, you know, different sessions, you know, and take time away. And we're going to try to help you incorporate these things into a natural rhythm of life. We're not going to do this just as a one off of just saying you should do this and figure it right. out later. Just give you information about it. We're actually going to practice it. And so that's vastly different than, you know, going to some conference or even being in a classroom environment where you're just talking theory. We're actually mm -hmm. doing it. So you're doing the stations of the cross during your free time right there on the campus. Right. Or you're actually spending time, like you said. If you, we're going to have some breaks in here and we don't want you to go back and just take a nap. Now, you might need right. you might just be exhausted, but spend some time actually sitting out by the lake journaling or even just being aware. And, and I'm saying this because I didn't realize it was impossible to the extent that it was how you could just be so exhausted in your soul. Mm. Like you could just be exhausted and you don't even yeah. know it. Like. One of my sessions there, it just became very apparent that I was actually in burnout and I didn't mm -hmm. even know it. Like, and it was, like I said, it was a godsend for me to be in CMI during some of those conversations and during some of those moments because you're so used to just doing things in a day-to-day -day rhythm that you're not even checking in with yourself. And sometimes I didn't even know how to. CMI helped me to see some things in myself that were unhealthy that needed to be dealt with. And it gave me a space to deal with them. Uh, and so, like I said, I'm really thankful for that. Whereas when you're in school, I think people care. And I'm not saying like the academic environment doesn't attend to those things, but that's not what it's sure. built for. It gives you information and hopefully you will find a way or find an outlet to address them. CMI is actually an outlet to address them. It's not all information. Yeah. I mean, I hear you saying, we, we talked earlier about that need to take a break. And we, we sometimes think in terms of like being productive versus resting, but I don't think it's this, the case that being rest, being restful is always being passive. Like what you're describing is kind of actively resting, like you're resting on purpose and you're, and you're doing something in the resting so that there is, there's activity there, there's spiritual activity, mm -hmm. but it's in a restful mode rather than a busy mode, rather than a, I got to be productive. I've got to produce um, all of that. Very much so. Yes. 
Okay. Well, now I'm wondering, so you, I think you mentioned to me that during your time at CMI, uh, that you had a ministry transition uh, during that time. Is that right? I mean, and is that something, one of the ways that CMI was able to help you? So it was. So that was, and that was kind of in my burnout mode. Uh, mm. So I was transitioning out of one church uh, and I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know it at the time. That's what it was. Uh, I was in this burned out phase. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was frustrated, irritated. Just, mm. It was, and it was, I didn't know that's what it was. Uh, I've heard about burnout. I just didn't know that's what I was experiencing. Yeah. And going to CMI, I think it was my third session. Uh, Randy and I got to sit down and kind of have a real heart to heart conversation, which he's really good mm-hmm. at. And he kind of helped me to see, like, I, I think that's where you are. And I was like, well, mm. didn't see that in myself, but now that you <laughs> kind of clarified it, I guess that's what it is. And, yeah. and so just being like, oh, okay. So this is what CMI was actually originally trying to possibly prevent. But now I recognize that what CMI is attempting to do, even in this moment, is to help me find clarity and to actually wrestle with what led to that. What was I not taking care of in myself that created this? And I'm really appreciative because one of the things that CMI did, it gave me the ability to be my advocate for myself in terms of my own care. Mm. Uh, Like I said, at first, I kind of felt guilty of like, oh, I'm going to take time to actually just go sit with God on the job. And one of the things that Randy said was, you know, your job is to sit with God for the people in your church who don't have time to. Mm. And the best thing you can do for your church is be healthy for them. And hearing that gave me the conviction that I I can't actually jeopardize that anymore. Like, I, I have to take care of me. And that's the best thing I can do for my church. Yes, I can preach better. Yes, I can go to conferences to learn to teach better. I can do more in-depth word studies and all these other things that people expect you to do on the job. But at the end of the day, if I'm not taking care of me, I'm no good to my church. Yeah. And I never put that together that this is how big of a deal this is. And I had to become my own advocate for my own health. And it wasn't the church's fault. At first I thought it was, I wanted to blame them for Mm. everything I was going through. (laughs) And that's part of the burnout. But yeah. CMI helped me to come to terms with, no, Josh, you you did this to you. You you let this happen. You decided to sacrifice your own personal health for whatever you thought was more important. And CMI gave me the ability to kind of take ownership of that, to deal with some of the grief and some of the confusion and problems that I created, mm-hmm. but then to start a process of becoming healthier and continuing that and not negotiating on some of those. So yeah, boundaries are important, but being able to communicate that with my church and say, Hey, this is what I won't sacrifice. And, you know, it's nothing wrong and it's not a bad thing, but it's actually a really good thing for ministers to actually take Sabbath. And that's different from taking a vacation. Right. Absolutely. You know, those types of things. And so I think I'm a much healthier minister because of CMI. Now I've been, and I don't want to say CMI basically saved me in ministry, but in some ways it did. It, it really, it came at a very critical time when I was early in mm-hmm. ministry, when I didn't know how to prioritize my own personal soul care. CMI helped me to do that. And it's yeah. been life-giving now. It's been very helpful now. Yeah. No, it sounds like it was, it was a tool that God used. Yeah. Right. To be able to, to be able to minister to you. And I really resonate with that. I mean, we've, we've got my wife and I have a couple of adolescents at home and, you know, 
if I am not healthy, um, it's going to overflow onto them. And, you know, I've, I've got a, a men's group that I'm a part of, you know, one of the things we talk some about is like, it can't be that I am going to be healthy for them as the prime motivation, because, you know, there'll be a day when they're out of my house, I've got to be healthy for me. But when I am healthy for me, it benefits them in just all sorts of ways. Um, and, and, yeah. and it's challenging, you know, to kind of keep, keep that in mind, especially just in all the day to day. Um, well, you're, you're kind of already touching on the last question I want to ask you, um, you know, but as, as you think back on the few years since you've done the program, and of course that includes uh, the pandemic, you know, what, what are some of the things that you feel like have, have been the impact of CMI? Um, you've already talked about ways that it's affected you, but you know, is that true at home and your church and your community? What, you know, what do you think has been the impact? Would you say? So I think there's been a, there's been multiple impacts or implications because of CMI. So I say first thinking personally, uh, I think I'm, like I said, I'm much healthier mm-hmm. overall. Uh, I have a pretty consistent contemplative life because of that. I have some spiritual disciplines and practices that are routine in my life consistently. Mm-hmm. So that was incredibly important. And that was very important, especially during COVID uh, coming into a church three and a half months in, trying to get to know a church, everything shutting down. Uh, I think, those practices were part of what sustained me during COVID. Thankful, very grateful for that. I also think uh, on a much larger scale, me being open about my practices and even talking and using the language from CMI and kind of how my life kind of revolves, it's helped people in my congregation to recognize the need for them in in themselves. Mm. Being in a Church of Christ context where we don't talk much about contemplative life, uh, like you said early on, I've been able to help people in my congregation kind of enter those waters uh, in a healthy way, but also in a gentle way of saying that, you know, I know this isn't things that we do normally or things we might not have talked about, but they are part of the spiritual life. Uh, And just because they don't necessarily come out of Church of Christ doesn't mean that they're bad or they're wrong Mm -hmm. or that they're evil or they're taboo. These are actually sustainable practices that really are life giving overall. And if we're going to be healthy spiritual beings, these are some things that you might be able to try and being able to introduce some of those things in a way that is not overbearing or problematic, but actually helpful for others. So that's been the other thing. And then just the rhythm of Sabbath in, in church culture. Uh, there's always metrics uh, in ministry, mm. uh, whether it's, you know, the two main ones, number of people, money, those types of things. Yep. And there in COVID, all those things took a hit for most churches in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And you can feel anxious about those things. Like that, that creates some anxiety. And those contemplative practices remind us that God is still God, uh, that it doesn't matter how much I do, I can't fix it all. Uh, and I think that those contemplative practices help to remove and relieve some of that anxiety that ministers might be feeling, at least for myself and even for mm-hmm. my church as a whole, and especially for my leadership. Uh, my elders, are great. They, they're they're much better at terms of just loving our church, but recognizing that, oh, as much as I can get tired and burnt out, they can too. Oh, sure. And that helps me to be very sensitive to them uh, because I've recognized it in myself. And so I think that my relationship overall and how I see church leaders has been greatly impacted because of CMI of saying, oh, well, just like I went to school for all this, Many of them didn't. They're volunteers who have full-time jobs and have kids and have all, and they're taking on all this load and this pressure of trying to lead a church. And, oh, they, they don't, 
they don't always take care of their, their soul either. So part of my role as a minister is caring for them. Uh, and so that's been really helpful in seeing my role as a lead minister differently. That it's not necessarily that I'm trying to lead my elders in the so to say, but I do have to shepherd them. I have to care for them because they don't always know to care for themselves as they're caring for everybody else in the church. And I will say CMI has been a blessing for that overall and how I function as a minister that I don't forget that my elders are people too who have issues. Uh, we might not always agree on everything, but they have a soul that needs caring for and being able to talk that way to them of saying, hey, do you, you guys need a break? Like, you need to take a sabbatical or a Sabbath mm. and not like I'm trying to kick them out, but right. because I actually care about you, like it, it's okay. And to tell the church, hey, I'm, look, we just came out of COVID. Like I, you guys are probably tired. Like it's okay to say that. Yeah, You don't have to feel bad or beat yourself up for taking a break. And I think from, at least for the congregations I've been a part of, it was hard for elders to even say that they felt mm -hmm. guilty. You know, they just had to bear it and keep going through it. And it's like, let me tell you for somebody who's been on the other side of this, that's not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's not the way to go. Yeah. Well, we, we just don't really have frameworks for it. Right. I mean, so many of our elders come out of the working world in different ways. And, you know, if, if you take time off of work, like that's called administrative leave and it's usually yeah. not a good situation, right. Or it's vacation. And that's not what you like, as you were saying before, that's not the same as Sabbath. And, you know, so to have language like a sabbatical or a hiatus um, where you go away to be able to refuel and then you can come back and that puts you in a healthier place to be able to to shepherd God's flock. Um, you know, that's some of those resources that we have available to us that I, I'm really glad that you've been able to put that into practice uh, in your church, because, man, you're right. I mean, leaders need that. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you so much uh, for spending uh, this half hour with me. It has been so good to get to uh, get to visit. Um, I want to make sure that our, our listeners, as always, know that you can always learn more about CMI at our website, www.cyberinstitute.org slash CMI. Uh, but another new program that we have that I want to mention here, and, and this is in part, Josh, because you're an alum. Um, some of our alums of CMI have wondered like, well, what, you know, what can I do next? Like there's not a CMI round two, uh, but a program that we have just begun is a new certificate in spiritual direction uh, that's open to anybody. You don't have to have done CMI in order to do it. Uh, but our CMI alumni are certainly a group that, that we have in mind. Uh, it's also a two-year program, but formatted a little differently uh, for people that are interested in becoming spiritual directors. Uh, and so, folks, you can learn more about that also at the website, cyberinstitute.org slash SELAH, S-E-L-A-H, like that little word that often appears in your Bible translations uh, in the Psalms. Um, well, Josh, one more question. If, you, if people want to connect with you, if they've heard this and they, they want to be able to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? Are you on any particular social media? Should they email you? What, what's the best way to connect uh so of course you can catch me on instagram facebook uh so just look up joshua adam jackson or joshua jackson you'll find me on instagram facebook you can always catch me on email uh you can do my church email joshua at ruralhill.org or you can shoot me one of my personal ones just joshua adam jackson at gmail.com uh, i'm always open to communicate and connect i love reaching out and other ministers reaching out to me i love those relationships because i know ministry can be isolating and lonely Absolutely. Uh, I'm always grateful for making those connections and having good ministry colleagues and friends. 
That's great. Well, folks, reach out, make that connection. Uh, and in the meantime, you can always access all of our podcast episodes at cyberinstitute.podbean.com. Josh, thanks again uh, for being with me and to our audience members. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cyber Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.